This evening, I'm going to be reading out of the book of John, John chapter 10 and 9. Would you give these musicians a hand? I think they've done a very good job here. Ministry is about stepping up. It doesn't matter if you're the best. It doesn't matter if you're the second best. It means you stepped up and you did what God called you to do. And that's ministry. Too many times we, we get in a rut by sticking with traditions. But we know what God thinks about traditions. John chapter 10 verse 9 then we're going to go to the book of Revelations, chapter 3, 7 through 8. Uh, it is good to have Sister Summer here and her daughter. It's good to see you. It's been a while. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm trying to get past this coffin. And I pray tonight that I can uh, preach to you. I... Uh, I'm excited. Can I tell you that God is still a healer? He's never ceased being a healer. He's never ceased being the Savior. John 10 and 9 says, I am the door. Jesus talking. Say, I am the door. He said, By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. And find pasture. Revelations 3, 7 through 8. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. He said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength. Now, notice that he gave us credit for having a little strength. And notice that he gave, well, he gave man credit for having little strength. He didn't say you were weak. He didn't say you were worthless. He said, but you have little strength. And right before that, he said, no man can open the door and no man can shut it. In other words, Jesus Christ being the door, no man can manipulate him. Listen to this. He said you had a little strength. And I was studying before church, and you know what I got out of the Scripture? Was this. This was my interpretation. When he gave us credit, or gave man credit, he said, you may be able to kill me, but you can't keep me dead. You can't shut the door, and you can't open it. You can't manipulate it. You may be able to kill me, but in three days, there's going to be a resurrection. <laughs> you have a little strength. And has kept my word and has not denied my name. Tonight, I want to preach to you for a while on this thought. The open door. Jesus is the door. 
I want to preach to you the open door. <coughs> Lord, we come before you tonight with thanksgiving. God, we come before you tonight, God, to lift your name up. God, that you may get glory for every miracle, for every one that gets the Holy Ghost. God, for every move of God. God, it's not about us. It's not about your church, but it's about you. God, I pray that you would rain down your Holy Ghost upon this place tonight. God, you know every need. God, you know every situation. God, I pray right now that you would meet that. Let your Holy Ghost power reside in this place. Let us feel the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. You may be seated as you clap your hands. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe tonight, Sister Sister Beth, you're going to walk out of here strengthened. We got your back. We got your back. Before I start, I, I want to tell you something. Brother, Brother Colby, I, I remember the last words I said to him at that water fountain. I walked up to him and I said, I'm proud of you, Brother Colby. I'm so proud of you. I said, you've, you've, you've changed. I said, you, 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 your spirit is broken and that's what God wants. I said, I appreciate you. I love you. And he, that man wept. When I first met him, he was, uh, he was somewhat calloused and somewhat uh, felt unforgiving. But I saw that man, that strong, tough, mean guy that, if you will, walk up to this altar, and he melted like a little baby. I never tell anybody that I heard him speak in tongues, but I did hear him speak in tongues the other night, Sister Manley. He has had the Holy Ghost before, and he's been baptized in Jesus' name. I heard him speak in tongues. I never said it, but I felt the Holy Ghost, and I heard him speak. Let me tell you. I believe. Oh, my. I don't want to preach before I start preaching, so you may be seated. Webster's Dictionary defines the word door this way. A door is usually swinging or sliding barrier by which an entry is closed and open. It also a means of access, a participation, or an opportunity. Jesus is a opportunity. Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the point of access by which man obtains an entrance into heaven as well as participation of heavenly things. He said, I am your opportunity and eternal life. Doors are interesting things when you, when you think about doors. Some are, are small, some are large, some are plain, some are beautiful. Some swing and some slide, but no matter what shape or design they have, a door, they all intend, are intended to fulfill the same role, to either allow or to prevent entrance. Doors divide. Doors separate. Keeping contained what you want to keep in 
and keeping out what you want to keep out. A door can be the me- a means of safety and protection, sheltering your family, <coughs> keeping from uh, intruders from keeping uh, from coming in uh, to harm you or injure you. Having a door can make a difference between keeping your stuff or losing your stuff. I like to lock my door at home. If you've ever looked at a piece of real estate or construction, when it comes down to the final details, you will discover that the door to a home tells a lot about the characters in the home as well as the personality of the one living there. The door makes a statement uh, that often reveals the value of the home itself. The door often exposes the attention to detail that the homeowner has and the care that he or she takes in maintaining everything else. You can tell that by looking at a door. The door, in a sense, determines a person's level of expectations as to what they might want to see or have on the other side. And with that being said, and knowing that Jesus Christ said, I am the door. I am the door to heaven. It makes me wonder uh, why more people aren't trying to make it. I, I mean, if a door to heaven has that much power and ma- magnificence about it, can you imagine what's on the other side of that door? Can you imagine? What's on the inside of that door? And I think somebody found out this week what was on the other side of that door. The only reason that I could even think of why anybody or why people aren't more interested in going to heaven is because somewhere along the way, their perception of what that door really is like is really... It's messed up. Uh, religious cultures, they program their minds to think Calvary of when they think of that door, when they think of Jesus. They think about death. They think about pain. We rarely see paintings of the resurrection, but we see many paintings of the cross. Think about it. You never see anyone wearing an empty tomb around their neck, but you can go out in public or the store and see all kinds of crosses hanging around people's neck. You never see an empty tomb tattooed on someone's arm, but you see a lot of crosses painted on someone's body. The movie The Passion, he did a great job portraying what Jesus did and what he went through on Calvary's Hill, but it didn't finish the story. I'm not belittling the significance of Calvary tonight because without it, every single one of us would not be here. We would be lost. But I just want to remind us here tonight that all that Jesus did, it did not stop at Calvary's Hill. Even though it took His death to bring about Calvary or or bring about life, Calvary is not where it ended. Calvary was only the beginning. I wasn't going to say this, but I think I'll say it. 
Hold your horses, all you theologians. I'm going to make things right here in a second. But can I make this statement? You're going to breathe real hard when I tell you that Calvary was a failure. Calvary was a failure. What do you mean Calvary was a failure? That's where I, I, I got saved is at the foot of the cross. Let me tell you something about Calvary. Calvary was a place. That was used to harboring the deaths of thousands of people. Calvary was used to never seeing anybody walk away and walk away in one piece. Everybody before Jesus Christ never lived again. But oh, when Calvary met Jesus... It didn't do his job because Calvary could only keep Jesus dead for three days. So Calvary become a failure. You can't keep a God like Jesus down. Muhammad's in a grave. Allah's in a grave. But Jesus walked out. And one day, when I lay down this body, and I breathe my last breath of air, one day, there's going to be a resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Calvary was only the beginning. Calvary by itself was a door that swung one way. Calvary was the entrance into eternity that carried the souls of men to their final destination. Calvary was a place of death, a place that marked the end of a painful journey. Calvary put men in their grave, and every day at Calvary, it was just business as usual. Calvary was a slaughterhouse, but the day that Jesus was crucified, Calvary saw something it never seen before. Calvary was heaven's access into the grave, and the grave was God's access into hell. So he wasn't even safe in his own home because he had the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and Jesus didn't even need the keys to unlock his door. Jesus, that tells me that Jesus has dominion in the worst place that you can imagine. I don't care what kind of hell you're going through. Jesus can walk right in the middle of it any time of the day. And He can unlock it. He has dominion over your problems. When Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave from Satan, on the third day he come walking out of a tomb. For Jesus, all Calvary done was simply start a process of Satan's defeat. Satan thought he had it wrapped up, but all it did was kick Satan.
Satan right in the face. And he couldn't do anything about it because he was in control of death. He was in control of the grave. And all of a sudden, he lost his authority there. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ owns the authority of death, hell, and the grave. And nobody can take it away from him. It's getting ready to break here in a second. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. I feel there's a callous spirit here tonight. And I'm getting ready to break through it. Let me take a break to tell you it's time to quit making excuses. It's time to quit making excuses just sitting there and being complacent in your own spirit. And you're... Right now, you've got so much bitterness in your life that you don't know what in the world you're going to do. You, you don't see any way out of it. But I'm going to tell you something. God's getting ready to break it. You can walk out of here and be bound all you want to. But I serve a God that is an open door. You can be delivered right now. I don't think you're convinced. preach on. I, I don't want to offend anybody here tonight, but and le, le, I want to tell you, and I, I'm eternally grateful for Calvary. I know where, where I wouldn't be or where I would be without Calvary, and I'm, I'd never, ever talk against it. But I, I don't want to see my Savior as one who's still on the cross. I want to see Him as in the power of His resurrection. I don't go to a dead church. I would rather die than be a part of a dead church. You can call us crazy all you want to for getting happy. And you can go right to your ball games and go crazy every time somebody hits a ball. I like it. I like watching football and being a part of it. But if you get more excited about a football than... Then an empty tomb, then something's wrong with you. You need to fall in love with a resurrected Savior. My God. A resurrected Savior. That's the door that I want to see. That's the door that I'm looking for. And when you look at him from that perspective, it changes your view about what might be on the other side of that door. When Jesus said, I am the door, he was referring to the access he provided for you and me in salvation. That's why in John 14 and 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The door, opportunity to all humanity to make it to heaven. 
Now, that was just my runway. I'm getting ready to preach. I'm just letting you know. There's so much more to know about heaven than what we look, what it took to get there. We think we got everything nailed down. We think we got it all in our mind. We, we think we know it, a lot of us. We think we know it all. And, but before I tell you uh, what it's, uh, heaven is like, let me tell you what it's not like. It's not like Spencer. It's, it's, it's not like Ellisville, and it sure is not like Bloomington. It sure ain't like IU or Indianapolis. In heaven, let me tell you what heaven's not. There's no crack houses. There's no prostitutes. There's no beer joints. There's no drug dealers in heaven. There's no child abuse. There's no heartbreak. There's no sickness. There's no death or disease. Let me tell you something about the jobless. There's no shortages of God's endless bounty. There's no public aid, food stamps, money, or bank accounts to worry about. You, have ne- uh, you never have to worry about the government shutdown in heaven. You don't ever have to worry about electing a bad or good president in heaven. There will never be any natural disasters, war, national calamities, or poverty in heaven. There will be no famines, no cancer, no devils to fight with. There will be no bills, no hospitals, no hospice. In fact, heaven will have no complaints. No backtalk, no hate. No crime, no gossip. There won't be in heaven. The Bible says, my favorite scripture in the Bible, besides Acts 2.38, and God shall wipe away all tears, all tears, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I don't know about you, but I I tell you what, I'm not too interested in this life, but I want to make it there. I want to go. I come too far to not go. Let me tell you, what heaven does have. I can't even imagine it. Its walls are made of pure jasper. It's got 12 foundations made of precious stones. It's got 12 gates that are made of solid pearl. It has streets that are made of transparent gold. Transparent gold. Have you ever seen that? You can't even see You can see through it. The glory of the Lord is so bright that it has no need of sun. In it there shall be no more night, for the Lamb of God is the light thereof. And the tree of life is there, and the river of life 
goes from the underneath the throne room of God. Heaven is a safe place because there shall in no wise enter anything that defileth. Neither them which worketh abomination for those that lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life will be there. Will you be there? Do you have plans to go there? You can make it there. All you have to do is repent. Be baptized. Every one of you, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I'll tell you what, I'm going to preach through it. I'm going to pause for a commercial. I want everybody in this place right now to stand up. I want you to stand to your feet. I rebuke the spirit of confusion that's walked in this place right now in Jesus' name. I come against every spirit of depression. Come on, I need your help right now. The Holy Ghost is here right now. And He wants to work. And the devil's not going to win. I rebuke this tired spirit, this lethargic spirit right now, in Jesus' name. It has to leave. It's gone. Now clap your hands right now in Jesus' name. On the throne of heaven is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, saying, I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. And beyond everything that you can imagine that will be great there, Jesus will be there. You can be seated if you can. In heaven, we'll never go thirsty. In heaven, there'll never be anybody that'll starve to death. You'll never be hungry. In heaven, you'll never grow weary. Everybody say amen. In heaven, there'll never be any more suffering. In heaven, we'll never know any shame. In heaven, you'll never feel rejection. Can I tell you something? For you real quiet and reserved people, 
that don't think it's necessary to worship. If you don't like worship, you better not make plans to go to heaven. Because let me tell you something. Over where I'm going, there's going to be an eternal, eternity, worship. I don't know about you, but if you think that I'm going to dance on this earth, you just wait till I see Jesus. Like the song says, if you think I'm going to shout down here, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because when I see Jesus, oh, but I'm reserved. I don't do those kind of things. That's just a few things that we know about heaven. But the Apostle Paul went on to tell us in Corinthians 2 and 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared to them that love Him. Heaven, heaven is going to be a place, listen to me, of unfolding revelation of God's goodness towards those whom He love. That means it's, going, uh, it's just going to get better and when you think it's better, it's going to get better. And when you think it's good, it's going to keep getting gooder. I want to go there. I want to go to heaven. But... Everybody wants to go, don't they? But in order to get to heaven, you have to go through the door. You notice, he didn't say you have to come to the door, to the door. There's too many people that base their salvation on whether they feel Jesus or meet Him, but they're not willing to walk in. Because you, anybody can go to the door and feel Jesus, but when you go through the door, there's going to be a change in your life. This hogwash doctrine that says, uh, I, I, all I have to do is believe in Jesus and meet the door, and that's all I've got to do, and, and I feel Him, I know I'm saved because I, 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 I talk to Him all the time. But listen, let me tell you something. You cannot walk through that door and come back out unchanged. You have to be changed. Don't be fooled by Hollywood's perception of Christ. He's not some beat, uh, beaten down uh, uh, Christ anymore. He's not bloody anymore. He's not wearing a crown of thorns anymore. He's not hanging on a cross any longer. He has a glorified body full of resurrection power. And he stands victorious over death, hell, and the grave. When you look at Jesus through the lenses of Calvary, what you see is the price He paid for our sins. The body of Christ is our receipt that says, paid in full. 
His suffering was payment for our transgression. But when you look at Him in the resurrection, you see Him all power and awesome as the victor, undefeated, the mighty in battle. battle. You see Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see Him as great and everlasting and strength and peace as a refuge and as a rock, the rock of ages. What we see when we see that door is we we see the lion of the tribe of Judah. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight uh, that he is your joy and your song and he's your healer and your deliverer. walk in some of these places they call church. I went to an Episcopalian wedding once. If you're Episcopalian, is there any Episcopalians in here? But Davis, you're not Episcopalian, are you? Baptist. We still love you. Man, you're, you're an exciting Baptist. I walked in that place, and it felt like I—I I, I thought I was getting beat with a bag of oranges. I, I'm telling you, I felt like I walked through a gauntlet. And I heard that minister get up there, if you want to, whatever you call him, preacher, minister, and his words. This was his perception of Jesus. He was some worn-out, beaten-down looking individual. With life drained out of him. Uh, he, he was preaching about Jesus and talking about him like he had been dead for years and he, he was still there was a there was a cross up there with the, with the, uh, a statue on it with a, with a crown of thorns with with fake blood on it running down and that looked pitiful and that that was all that they had to look forward to uh, but let me tell you something when you walk into an apostolic church you 're going to feel the spirit of somebody that got a new body. You're going to feel a Jesus that has power to resurrect the dead. The God we serve has a new body. And however, in that body, He kept the scars in His hands, in His feet, in His side, and in His back. Because those scars are living proof that He purchased your salvation. What he wanted them to know, the disciples, when he said, put your fingers in the nail-scarred hands, he wanted to know, listen, buddy, I'm I'm alive, but listen, this was your payment of salvation. This is your payment of disease. Can I tell you, it's not the body of Jesus. It's not some morbid body. It's a body that is filled with all of heaven's love and glory. It's the door of heaven, and he's worthy of our praise. He said, I am the door, and no man can open it. He's not just any door. He said, I'm an open door. Most everyone you talk to, they want to go to heaven. We understand that it's a destination that we will arrive at one day. But what about now? What about now? 
What about the turmoil and the strife we deal with right now? We know to come to, uh, to, to some extent what heaven's going to be like when we get there. But it sure would be nice to have a little bit of heaven right now. How many of you can afford right now in your lives, you feel broken down and beaten, that you could sure uh, uh, afford to have some kind of heaven in your life right now? There's people in here that are depressed and on drugs and and fighting with addictions of cigarettes. And you, you, you could afford to feel the power of God working in your life right now. So when Jesus, He walked this earth, I want you to hear me. He gave humanity glimpses into heaven. Every time He performed a miracle, you could hear the door begin to crack, crack open. Excuse me, I didn't mean to say that. Erase that from the CD. You could hear the door crack open just a little bit to reveal heaven's power. When he turned the water into wine, you could hear the lock release. When he filled the nets of fish, uh, with fish in the fisherman's basket, you could almost hear the, that it bro- almost broke the nets. You could hear him turning the handle of the door to that door. When he healed blind Bartimaeus, you could hear the hinges squeaking just a, a little. When the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment and the virtue left his body, you could hear the light shine through or see the light shine through that crack in that door. And when he healed Jairus' daughter and raised her from the dead, he was saying, because of your faith, let me show you what's behind this open door. And when he walked through Nain and he saw the widow there on the way to a tombstone, to bury her own son. And the light of compassion began to shine through more from that door just a little bit further. When he cast the devil out of the child who was vexed with devils, even hell saw a familiar uh, glimpse of heaven. And when he came to Lazarus' tomb and everybody said there's no hope and everything around that tomb stunk, And he commanded what was dead to come out. He revealed to those that had gathered the light of authority and the power that was just behind that door. But listen to me. On that third day of his own resurrection. I like saying that. When he came out of that tomb, you listen to me. He kicked the door wide open and he said, Whosoever will, let him come and drink the waters of living water life freely. That's what's behind the open door. Oh my. A few weeks ago, my mother. She called me. She said, before you find out on Facebook, and I talked to you about this before. She said, before you find out on Facebook, because that's about where you find out everything. Forget CNN. They're going to do away with all the reporters. Facebook's the new thing. She said, I know you're going to find this out on Facebook. She said, I have had a tremendous amount of pain in my head. I knew what she was going to tell me. But Tony, I knew what it was. 
I knew what she had. She said, I can't hardly walk upstairs. She said, my head hurts so bad. She said, when I lay down at night, she said, my head hurts so bad that I can't hardly stand it. She said, when I sneeze, she said, I feel like I'm going to die. She said, I feel it in the back of my head. She said, there's something there. So she said, I, I, I went to the doctor. She said, I didn't tell you kids, because I, I didn't want you to worry. She said, and they ordered, the doctor ordered a CT scan, and she said, I just went. She said, I just got back my results. She said, I have a mass in my head that is pushing against my brain. I didn't know if it was attached to a brain or uh, on, the, on, on, the, on the bone itself protruding into her brain. The doctor was worried. He said, Miss Hill, she, he said, I'm going to put you, she said, on the 28th, I think it was, you're going to have a, a, a whole body bone scan in your body. And I knew what they thought it was. And I knew what it was. The first thing that come to my mind, Brother Davis Jr., was bone cancer. And I can't tell you the fear that I felt come over me. I've experienced my grandfather dying and my grand, some of my grandparents dying. And I, I've experienced uncles and aunts dying. But I still have both parents. And the fear come over me, Brother Eldar. And I, I tell you what, when I hung the phone up to her, I hit my knees and began to cry out to God. I began to text people that I knew would pray. I come here the other day to talk to the church and I requested prayer for my mother. I was driving down the road, and me and James Michael, and I felt the Holy Ghost so strongly. The other day, it was, it was Thursday, I, I think it was, and, and I felt the Holy Ghost so strong. So I got my phone out, and I dialed my mom's number. And I, and I, asked, I said, Mom, I said, what's the verdict? She said, that's amazing. You just called. I just hung up the phone with the doctor. I said, what'd they say? And they, she said, I'm all right. Hold on. I said, what do you mean you're all right? Because they did a bone scan from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I said, I know you're all right elsewhere. I said, but what about the mass in your head? She said, it's gone. I serve a God that is an open door. He's not just a God of 2,000 years ago. He still heals. He still saves. If you would walk through that door, I promise you, you would never be the same. God is getting ready to heal somebody in here right now. I busted through this. I rebuke devil. I rebuke hell from trying to, to come against the church.
Every preacher in this place have got up here and preached on miracles, signs, and wonders. We sang about it, and some of y'all's come up here to the altar and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And you went back to your seat, and you didn't see any results. The devil is a liar. I'm here to tell you tonight that you can walk out of here tonight after you met the open door, and you can walk out of here and not have to deal with your problem and with the junk that you've dealt with for so long, deal with depression. I come against it right now in Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do. I love it when the devil fights me, Brother Floyd. I, I, I love it. I'm so excited. I struggled to preach. And I, oh, I'm, my God, I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because when the devil fights me this bad, I know something is getting ready to happen. So this is what we're going to do. I want everybody in this place to stand. I'm not going out on a limb. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost. I don't want anybody coming to this altar unless you're desperate. I don't want you coming to this altar to get prayer unless you're desperate. If you're desperate of feeling the way you're feeling, I want you to come to this altar. Come on. God, I'm telling you, is going to move on you. Brother Brian, is the heat on? Is the heat on? If it is, turn it down. And for the rest of you, the ones that feel like you have faith right now, I want you to come back here, up here, and I want you to stand behind somebody. Ministry. And I want you to pray, or pray a prayer of faith on them. Not some humdrum, feel sorry. There's some violent spirits that are trying to destroy some of these people. The Bible says that the violent take it by force. And when you pray for these people, I want you to pray in faith. I don't want you to give me a wimpy prayer. I want you to pray in faith. And I want you to speak to the mountain that they're facing right now in Jesus' name.
Rebaha, 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 Reba